Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America, fraternal financial organization that can help you plan for your family's future. Give them a call, 940-453-3490. Also brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 195. As Jacques gets charged up, we ask simply <laughs> that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. <laughs> you got to love it. We will have a conversation. It is, it, it's like a, a, a relationship that ends. Every day that goes by gets a little bit better, I feel like. And, and we've got a big hurdle because the, the girl that, that we hate, that, that broke our heart, it, well, she's going to be on display this weekend against Green Bay. And once we get past this, once we get past all that, then I think maybe we'll be okay, but we'll see. We've got Clarence Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. We're going to chat with him. We've got Ed Werder from ESPN. We'll chat with him as well. But let's tell you about our buddy Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. One of the things that anybody that you talk to about finances will always tell you about saving and how to save. So let's let Hector, in his own words, tell you some of the things that you can do with your money. There are regular savings accounts, which currently pay you about 0.1%, but you should have, you know, at least $1,000 liquid where you can get to it, you know, in case you blow out a couple of tires, you know, there's an unexpected medical bill. Otherwise, you need to start building towards three to six months of income replacement in case something happens like a pandemic and you lose the job. Now, the savings account is not the only place where you can put money. You can put it into accounts that you can access that are actually making you money. There's different types of things. You can put it into what's called a non-qualified account. It's money you've already paid taxes on. You can put it into the market. You can put it, if you're eligible, into a Roth IRA. Because any money you put into a Roth IRA, you can pull back out without penalty, okay? Because that's money you've already paid taxes on. Now, ideally, you want to leave it in there so it'll grow, it'll grow, it'll grow. And so sometimes it's helpful to people that they're, they're good at saving, but they're poor at keeping it in there. So if it's not tied to their checking account, savings account, it's in a different account, and then they can see that it's actually growing, it usually incentivizes them to keep it in there. 
So there you go. I mean, you can talk to Hector directly. He can lay out that path for you to get you saving, get you that emergency fund, help you plan for your future. Give him a call. He's a local guy, good dude with Modern Woodman of America, 940-453-3490. Keep in mind, it's non-fee-based. It doesn't cost anything to meet with Hector, 940-453-3490. 3490. Also, of course, the lawyers at Greening Law, Robert Greening and his green team. If you've been hurt in a car accident like I was several months ago, I'm still dealing with that stuff. And I've actually been talking with them because we're going to see if we can wrap up my case soon. It's interesting because anytime I have a question, I can pick up the phone or I just shoot them an email and be like, hey, I'm wondering about this. How's this going? And they get back to me and let me know how the process is working out with everything that's going on. And they'll do that for you too, whether you were in a car accident, hurt on the premises of a business, what have you. Man, they do so many different cases. And the thing of it is, is that they handle all that so that you can focus really on getting your body and getting your mind back to where it was. Well, you know, I've been telling y'all this about Greening Law forever. It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and see if they can help you. And that's the best thing that you can ever ask because if they take you on as a client because they like what they hear, guess what? They don't get paid unless you get paid. And I keep saying this, Matt. Go find me a better deal than that, bro. Exactly. And the consultation's absolutely free. Pick up the phone. See if you've got a case. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. It is that time of the week where, and I, I was kind of joking about it, but it's true. Watching the NFL this week will be difficult for me because I, I It's the next week. We could have been there. It could have been us. It's difficult to let that go. I am excited about Bill's Chiefs. I feel like I can watch the AFC games a lot easier than I can watch the NFC games because watching San Francisco play, I'm going to sit there and go, it shouldn't be them. And then watching the Tampa (laughs) game, I'll be like, we should be playing Tampa. And so there's that frustration that comes along at this point in the week where it's weird. This is the first time all season where I'm – I'm, I'm probably going to watch, but I'm not necessarily excited about the upcoming football weekend. Dude, that's because it's a big-ass letdown. <laughs> it is. Um, even though we talked quite a bit about how it was a bad matchup and the Cowboys could have some problems, you didn't expect them to lose. You figured out, you thought they'd figure out a way to win. Mm-hmm. And how about this, man? If they did lose, you thought it'd be like some valiant effort and you know maybe something crazy happened at the end and it was a great game and they just happened to lose. And you're like, wow, I can't believe they played this good. And, you know, some fluky thing happened and they lost. Instead, bro, it was a listless, non-energetic performance where San Francisco gave you several examples of where they wanted it more than the Cowboys wanted it, which, you know, is highly unusual for me to point out. And, uh, dude, it just feels like they just wasted your time for 17 weeks. It really does feel that way. I think that's, you're exactly right. I think that that's what a lot of the frustration is, is that it feels like I invested a lot of myself. And there there are, like last season, when Dak got hurt, you know, I still watched the Cowboys and we still talked about them, but I, I didn't have any belief. I knew that season wasn't going anywhere. And there's been seasons like that over the years where you kind of know, honestly, going in, this is probably not going to be a very good team. But we knew this is a team that's got a chance to win something. I mean, I, as I recall, I think I said 11 and 6, 12 and 5 to start the year. We'd have to go back and listen, but you were right in the same range. We thought that this was a team that would win the division and would have a chance at a home playoff game and to do something in the playoffs. 
going in. And so that was always the expectation. And then they did that. They fulfilled that. And then it's over so damn quick. And it sucks. No, it does suck, man. Um, and it's because they just didn't play to their standard. Like, I say all the time, you can you can play good teams and you can play well and lose. Yeah. It happens. It'll happen this weekend. Somebody will play a good game, probably Buffalo or Kansas City. They'll play a good game and they'll lose. It'll be 31-28 or, you know, 34-27 or whatever, and they'll lose and it'll be like, damn, season's over. God, that was a great game. I hate my season ended like this. Damn, you know, Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes, if they weren't the GOAT, uh, we'd have got past them. It'll be something like that, but you'll feel like, you know, at least they played well and we just didn't win it. Um, somebody will play like that this weekend. But the Cowboys, man, they just let you down, especially when you throw in all the extraneous stuff. And the extraneous stuff can be anything from the 26 years without being in the championship game to the 6-1 and one start to, uh, you know, blowing out all the division teams by 40 to 13 or right. 40 to 14, whatever the score. All the extraneous stuff that made you think this was the year. Because that's all part of your frustration. It's not just that you lost. It's that this was a year we could have won it. I mean, think about the conversations two months ago. Uh, what do you think, Matt? 14 and 2? Uh, 13 and 3? Will they lose again? And to to go from there to basically a six and six finish. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, the other part of this as we start to wrap up, and, and the Cowboys have wrapped it up and they've done their season ending press conference and all that, and, and we'll see what happens with Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn as far as moving forward and whether or not they'll get hired at a variety of different jobs they've interviewed for. But there is one thing, and you know, the fallout of what happened. And then there's a couple of things here. One, Mike McCarthy, I believe it was yesterday. So we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. So Wednesday, Mike McCarthy in his season-ending press conference, you know, he talked about this and some of the idea that he may get lose his job and then Jerry basically is, is backing him and, and Mike McCarthy is going to be back next season. And McCarthy had this to say, I understand what goes on here every day. I know how to win. I know how to win in this league. I know how to win playoff games. I know how to win a championship. So I have great confidence in that. And to be fair, in the past, that is all very true. He's done all that. He's won. He's won playoff games. He's won a Super Bowl. But the reality of it is when you hear your head coach say that after being here for two years and not winning a playoff game, it, it can be where you just go, man, and I don't know what else he's supposed to say. You want him to have that type of confidence. But at this point, that quickly after the season ends, there's just it, – it, it's that frustration yeah. is just building up. You ain't ready to move on yet. Right. <laughs> You're like, this is still bullshit, man. Like, you know, so I, I think um, – now, you know, he he's saying that for, for a reason and a purpose, so it makes sense. But if you're a fan, you ain't trying to hear that right now uh, because you're mad. <laughs> And because you saw the game and you saw the inept performance. And, uh, you know, I take it back. I'm not even going to call it inept. The thing that bothered me, and I've told you all this, and I actually wrote about it uh, for the morning news, it was just a whole lack of urgency, man. It was a lack of effort. You saw San Francisco with several examples of extraordinary effort to get a first down or get a few more yards or mm -hmm. make a play. And you saw it from Dallas on a couple plays. You saw Zeke take out two blockers and stuff like that. But overall, man, the effort was just lacking. 
in terms of what was required to win a playoff game. I mean, everybody's got to be going 100 miles an hour in the playoffs, man, and not everybody was. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, you know, for me, like when I heard McCarthy say that and I saw his quote, I, I sit there and I go, okay, well, then win one. You say you know how to win playoff games, you know how to win championships, then win one. Win a playoff game. Like, just a playoff game. Win the playoff game that you had. And I think that that's where I got irritated. And it's like, again, you take the passion of the fan out of it. And you go, okay, well, what he's going to back himself. He has confidence, of course, obviously. But the fan part of it, you sit there and you look at him and go, okay, how are you going to sit there, what, 48, 72 hours after your team was just eliminated from the playoffs and tell me you know how to win a playoff game? Well, I mean, the reality, Matt, is... He does. He's got a Super Bowl ring. I know. I, I know. And, and, and you're like, well, you didn't do that in Dallas. Well, okay. Well, I've only been here a couple years. Um, the problem is, and, and this is, you know, this is the frustration where it seeks in. Where It hasn't been a couple years. It's been 26 years. No, nah, under my watch, it's been two. And that's why I be like, I understand the frustration from fans. They're like, it's been 26 years. Well, every time you get a new coach and a new regime, even though you're building on to the length of, the, of time since you've experienced uh, football euphoria, for them, it's a new start, man. And so um, that's where the frustration is. And that can be a disconnect because, really, you're you, you saddling me with all this baggage that ain't really mine. Yeah. Um, and McCarthy's like, I've been here two years, and I didn't have my quarterback one year, and we went 12-5 and five and did a bunch of good stuff. The problem – in general, is that, and this is this is kind of like the new reality, though, bro. It's for Dak and it's for McCarthy. In particular, I think. You tell me what you think. Mm. For those two dudes, bro, that's only the postseason. The shit in the regular season does not matter, except that you have to accomplish that to get to the postseason. But, you know, it's about the postseason for the quarterback and the coach. Period. The other thing is Dak Prescott. And I think we all kind of had a realization that, and I think we'd even talked about it on our podcast that we recorded last time. And, and it happened before he did this. We had said, look, you know, I, I would imagine he's going to come back and apologize at some point. And he did. And Dak, who basically, that was a credit to them talking about when they were throwing trash aimed at the referees. Dak on Tuesday afternoon on his Twitter put this up. I deeply regret the comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss and my words were uncalled for and unfair. That was a mistake on my behalf and I am sorry. And talked about the refs and their professionals and all that. And, you know, he's right. I, I think we all kind of realized that that's exactly what was going to happen. That he was going to come out and realize that he needed to address that and that he had made a mistake and, and I buy I get it I was frustrated as hell I I would imagine they were all frustrated and didn't want to look in the mirror and realize that they shot themselves in the foot and were looking to anything to blame yeah I mean I think everybody recognized that that wasn't the right thing to say after the game I think with Dak um I'm surprised he never figured it out bro like he was inconsistent literally yeah. since ever since he returned he was inconsistent from his one week calf in, in injury um now, if he's not going to, I mean, so, I mean, I just don't know why they couldn't figure it out. I'm puzzled, baffled, exasperated, perhaps, about perhaps. why they could never figure out how to get the offense back. And maybe, as I've been reading stuff over the last week, maybe it's more about the scheme and the protection and some other things that were 
were out of Dak's control. They were making him double clutch and not read read right. things as cleanly. I do know this though. Y'all better figure that out. <laughs> yeah, because it's not going to change if, if that's what gives you problems. Everybody's going to play your offense that way. Dude, we talked about this before, bro. It's like when they figure out you can't stop swinging at the slider down and away. Until you take some walks, brother, you're not seeing anything but sliders down and away. They're not throwing you fastballs, Joey Gallo, so you can hit them 900 feet. Yep. They're just not going to do it. So until you just take some walks and figure out that you're going to lay off that slider down and away, that's all you're going to see. And then once you lay off, guess what? Well, damn, we got to get ahead and count at some point. You sit on the fastball, then you can crank it 600 feet. That's what happened to the Cowboys, man. That's exactly right. That is what happened, and and the season's over, and we'll look ahead to the divisional round here momentarily. But before we get into our next conversation and take that trip around the block, let's tell you about Bruce Biltong. I, I hope that you have ordered your Bruce Biltong. If you haven't, I don't know why, because most people like beef jerky. And then they tell me, like, oh, well, I like beef jerky. Okay, cool, because you're going to love Biltong. Well, I've never had biltong. I know. So try it because bruised biltong, it is a traditional South African air-dried meat. It is fantastic. You order it online at bruisebiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G, bruisebiltong.com. And both of us love it. I, I, I have it all the time. I think it's fantastic. There's no sugar. There's no added artificial ingredients or anything like that. It's just a, a, such a healthy, tasty, savory snack. Dude, I ride with the sliced biltong, brother. You know, two ounce pack, pouch, pack, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of the same. 30 grams of protein, man, 200 calories, um, no additives, no sugars. Perfect afternoon snack for me. Y'all know I like to work out, watch what I'm eating. And it's uh, it's fantastic, and it's succulent. It's it is. tender. It's tasty. Mm. It's actually juicy in a sense. It's the most damning, the most amazing thing. Because you don't think of any of those words when you think of jerky. No, you don't. But you do. That's why it's not jerky. Exactly. It isn't. It's biltong. It's better than jerky. It's fantastic. Really do, guys, I think gals, whoever, you're going to really enjoy it. So get your order today at bruisebiltong.com. Use the promo code JAM15 at checkout and you get 15% off your order at bruisebiltong. Also, of course, Freeway Tire Shop. And if you haven't been to Freeway Tire Shop yet, then you just like wondering when you go to a mechanic, oh, I hope my car is going to be okay. Because when you go to Freeway, you don't have to wonder that because you know JR is going to take care of you. He's going to back up your work, whether it's an oil change, whether it's a set of tires or engine work, whatever it is, JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop in Dallas, the, the mechanic that you can trust. And if you don't believe me, listen to Jacques tell you about how he trusts him with 93 different cars. <laughs> JR, man, he's great. And uh, I've never, got to be honest with y'all, felt like this about a mechanic. <laughs> but JR is great, man, because you can trust him, bro. You can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car. And here's what really impressed me. You can trust, you can trust him to use quality parts. You can trust him to give you a fair price. He's not going to gouge you. He'll charge you a fair price to fix your car. And then you can trust him to guarantee his work, bro. I promise you, I've been a thousand mechanics over my long life. Ain't never felt like this about one. No, not at all. It's Freeway Tire Shop online, freewaytireshop.com. You can schedule an appointment, request a quote right there at freewaytireshop.com. So let's take this trip around the block because you sent this article, and I thought this was really interesting, about Peloton, something that you have a Peloton, and apparently... For reasons of production purposes, 
the demand of Peloton has gone down. And so they are going to stop making Peloton for a while. You know, it's interesting and it makes sense. Here's why this caught my eye, man. Not just because I have one, but my instant thought was, is this is Peloton going to go the way of, you know, Kodak or Blockbuster or, you know, something like that where they were here, they blew up and they yeah. didn't change with the times and then they disappeared. I'm just curious uh, because it makes sense if you think about it that production is down. Why is production down? Why did people start getting Pelotons, bro, at record numbers? Because we were in a pandemic. You couldn't go anywhere. You're like, oh, let me get this exercise equipment at the house. So if you're into working out, you could do it. And it's a great system. I love it, really. But I see why people stop once they got back in the gym and they go to spin class with actual people. Um, yeah, I see why why uh, production production dropped. And the question is, what adjustment will they make? I don't know what the answer is going to be for them, but it is interesting because apparently they are saying that a confidential thing got released. Imagine that. But it was a confidential presentation from last week that the demand for its connected fitness equipment, including the bikes and the treadmills, has faced a significant reduction around the world due to shoppers' price sensitivity and amplified competitor activity. And so, yeah, that would make sense. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there's already different companies that are coming up. Like, I, I don't have a Peloton, and I never really have even looked into it, but I know it's extraordinarily popular. But they say that $40 billion has been shaved off Peloton's market cap over the past year and that the shares have dropped down 24%, which I guess is a significant drop in the, the world of stocks, I would imagine. No, no, that's a big that's a big dip, man. I mean, they're back to almost, like I think their stock price opened up at $29 and it dropped Last week, I believe, to $29.11. So you basically back where you started from. And if you've been up in the 30, high 30s or 40s, that's a big-ass drop, bro. And you're trying to figure out, like, what's with the stock? Yeah, it, this is this is interesting because, yeah, you're you, they're talking about that. Like, gyms have reopened. Consumers don't appear to be throwing as much money into at-home fitness and so at the end of its latest quarter, they counted 2.49 million connected fitness subscribers, but they had only added about 160,000 new members in the last period, which was their lowest growth in two years. So, I mean, that That's all makes I'm, sense, like what you were yeah. talking about. No, it's, it's true. I mean, Peloton really blew up. Dog, I can't get to the gym. Oh, man, I got this Peloton. It's out of sight. Oh, yeah. man, come check it out. I go over to your house. I mean, check this out, bro. I got on Peloton because uh, my boy, um, for a while we could work out. He 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 was living in the condo downtown, and so we would go to his gym at the condo and work out. And they had a Peloton. He's like, "Oh, you'll like this. Hop on it. Um, I'll give you my password. You can ride with me." And I did that about five times. And then when the when it got serious with the pandemic and we really couldn't do anything, I was like, "You know what? I think I'll get one." Uh, and it's because I'd use somebody else's. Well, if you ain't getting nobody, if you're not getting new ones anymore, you're not saying, hey, Matt, come over and check this out. You'll love it, bro. And so it makes sense to me that production would be down. It is, man. I mean, it's one of those things. It's, it's interesting because I haven't been to a gym 
since before the pandemic started when and I was a member at the LA Fitness over by where I used to live in Irving and then the pandemic shut everything down so I just started working out at home and I've acquired over the last I guess it's been a couple of years and I've acquired a variety of different equipment that I like and I just work out in my garage four or five days a week and I'll go for a run or do some different things now that I've started enjoying to where you know I was thinking I was actually thinking about this yesterday because I've been thinking about getting a bench so right, I can do right, some right. stuff and, and also getting some more dumbbells because I have a couple of dumbbells, but I'm thinking about upping them and just doing some different things. And I thought, you know, the funny thing is if you're spending 30, 40 bucks a month on a membership to a gym, you know, it, it, over the course of, say, four months, that's 120, 150 bucks, whatever, that you could just reinvest into adding to to gain more equipment to work out at your own house. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about it is like I can't I can work out at my house. I don't like to though. I get a yeah. certain energy from the gym. And it, I don't have to know anybody there. I just get it. It's like I'm going to work, okay? I got my stuff on. I'm going to make this drive. I'm going to focus on my workout on this short drive to the gym. And I get there, I'm ready to get down and do what I'm what I'm here to do. Even if the gym were empty, it's just the, I got up, I went, I'm in this place where I work out and I focus. Um when I'm at home, I'm like, my workout's a half-ass. I don't push myself for whatever reason. I can't really figure it out. But it, it makes sense to me that you're a guy who works out perfectly fine by himself yeah. because you're a swimmer, and swimmer's a lonely sport. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. You're, doing those, you're on a team, but still, you're doing them laps by yourself. And so it, um, it's, it, it makes sense to me why you can work out by yourself perfectly fine and and a lot of people are like that. Mm. Um, I'm just one of those who struggles for whatever reason, bro, to maintain the same intensity when I'm by my when I'm by myself. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is, but you're exactly right because I, I have done like group fitness stuff before. When I lived in Birmingham previously, there's something here that's very similar to CrossFit. It's called Iron Tribe, but it's basically the same thing. And I I tried doing that for a couple of months, and I would just get annoyed. Because I don't like people and they think they're being motivating. And I know that it they, for a lot of people that probably works, but they would be sitting there and it, the weirdest thing, like the more they would yell at me trying to encourage me, the less I wanted to do what they were saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm not too far behind. Like I like one of my boys, sometimes he gets it. Come on, man, you got it. You got it. I was like, bro, I don't really need that. <laughs> I'm either going to get this shit up. I know that's how bro, I am. But, but you telling me, that for me, that really ain't gonna help me get it done, bro. Yeah, like in fact, if you would just shut up, I could focus a little bit more. <laughs> but you know, the heart's in the right spot. No, I agree, man. That's exactly how I am. Like, if somebody is sitting there, like if they were like, "Hey, you got to do a hundred push-ups," I'll do the hundred push-ups. Now, I might not do them as fast as you, somebody else, or as fast as you think I should be doing them, but I'll do the hundred push-ups. I don't need you to sit there. Come on, 20 more. Come on, you got it. I was like, I know I got it. Like, I'm going to do it. Stop yelling at me. It makes me want to just stop and look at you and be like, leave me alone, okay? And so I don't know what it is. Like, even when I would go to the gym, obviously having the access to all the different equipment is great and all that type of stuff. But, man, it used to drive me nuts when people would try to talk to me at the gym. I'm like, I'm not here to make friends. I don't want to talk to you. The problem with talking to people at the gym, bro, is that um, what's the problem? The, the problem is is nobody. Is, if you want to talk to me, hey Matt, I ain't seen you in a minute, bro. How's it going? If you want to do that in like forty five seconds, 
that's fantastic. Right, yeah. But, dog, you can't say, how about them Cowboys, man? I can't believe, what do you think's wrong with that? Yeah, because you're in between sets, and now, <laughs> great, all of a sudden it's been five minutes, and I was trying to do a 30-second rest period. Dude, now my heart rate's back low yep. again. My workout is behind. It's, <laughs> That's how dude. I am. So I've been, I'm an asshole. I, I was like, you know what, man? I ain't really thought about it much lately. Or, you know what, man? I'm trying to get this workout in. I, I got something to do on that later. I haven't really focused on it. Uh, just because, bro, you know. I'm the exact same way. That would drive me nuts. And I'd be looking at my watch and be like, great, 45 seconds. And I'd be like, uh-huh, okay. I was like, hey, man, I got to get back at it. All right, sorry. And like, oh, yeah, okay, great. I'm like, God, why do you come to the gym? You you come to the gym. It's almost like some people come to the gym to wa- to work out on their conversations, and then in between conversation breaks, they might lift something. Well, you know, I think it's like this, bro. <laughs> I think everybody's got a different vibe when they're at the gym. Yeah, they do. They do for sure. Um, and when I'm at the gym, I'm really there by work. Um, uh, me and my boy, we like to keep our rest periods literally. We do a set. We jump rope for 45 seconds after the set. We typically take a 30 or 45 second rest and boom, start the cycle again. Because we're trying to make it more like high intensity interval training where you really burning some calories in part because I can't stand doing cardio. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we're trying to keep the heart rate up and you literally can't have any extended conversation if you're trying to keep the heart rate up. That's very true. It, you can't. So there you have it. The gyms, the Pelotons. I, I've often thought... You know, I was watching a video the other day that simply they say walking can be very underrated. And I would just encourage people, no matter what you do, it, it just do something active. It, it doesn't have to be as intense as what some of the stuff that Jacques and I like to do, but just do something active. And it truly could just start with every day, either in the morning or at night, I'm just going to walk around the neighborhood. And you'd be surprised if you'll just do that and stick with it for a couple of weeks. I think you'll really be surprised at the difference in how you feel. And, and you'll actually end up having more energy and feel better about yourself. You know, um, I, you know, I saw I, I gave a dude. Uh, I'm going to do it tomorrow because I got ready to do it today and something happened. I couldn't get over to him. But he's a big dude. Clearly, I mean, he's a big dude. He probably weighs 375. Uh, but I've seen him at the gym for about a week now. And so uh, I was just going to walk over to him and tell him, hey, bro, I see you. Keep grinding. And uh, that's really all I was going to say. Because sometimes when you first get involved in a program, you'd be shocked that that little teeny bit of encouragement will make you show up on a day where you didn't feel like showing up. And, uh, you know, somebody who used to be 250 and who's now a very svelte 198.2 this morning. Nice. Um you know, I, I get it, man. It's hard, man, when you're first getting started and all that shit hurts and everything aches and you ain't got no endurance and you ain't got no energy and you're trying to tough it out. Um, sometimes just, just a couple sentences here or there can be encouraging. Goes a long way, my friends. It is time to check in with one of our very favorite Cowboys insiders. He's been doing it just about as long as anybody else. The beat writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, it is Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us here on the podcast. Cowboys season is over, Chill. What do you take away from the loss to the San Francisco 49ers last weekend? You know, the thing that, that struck me, that, that, that continued to strike me, and, and I can't believe the coach said it yesterday, or said it on Wednesday when we talked to him. You know, he said the players were nervous before the game. He said it in, he saw it in the team prayer, yet he let them walk out there nervous. He did nothing. He didn't throw nothing against the wall. 
He didn't pull out no watermelons. He didn't do nothing. He let them walk out there nervous. And we saw a nervous team that opened the game, uh, that, you know, fell behind to 13-9-23-7. You know, but uh, that tells you this team does not, doesn't know how to win. This team succumbs to the pressure in the biggest moments and biggest games. I mean, one thing I took from Dak, you know, when he did something uncharacteristic, you know, by trashing officials and, and condoning trashing officials. To me, that was the pressure. That was the disappointment at the pressure of the moment. Uh, we, we saw it all season. You know, when they played good teams, and certainly in the biggest game, the Cowboys didn't show up, didn't play their best. But it wasn't about the 49. It was about the Cowboys. The Cowboys didn't show up. That's most, to be most disheartening and most regrettable for these teams and these players. They didn't show up when it mattered most. And it's a problem. It's a pattern. Why do you th- uh, well two things? What do you think he was supposed to say? I don't know what he was supposed to say, but you cannot let your team. If you see your team nervous, you just can't let them walk out there without saying something, without waking them up, without you got that you know you're shaking the room or something, you know. And and and, and you know and I don't know if you guys saw the video of the forty nine ers coming out with a boombox, relaxed and and ready to go and. and you know, obviously, none of that really means nothing because they, they could have either lost that game. But it's just the mindset, you know, of this, this player, this team, this locker room. And, you know, here's a guy who says, I know how to win. I built winners. I proved winners. But let you let you let this team that you saw, not we saw, that you said you saw was nervous. And you try to say angst. But it's all the same thing. But where's that angst coming from? You're not prepared. You're not confident. You 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 afraid of the moment? Something uh, has to happen. You if you recognize that you just can't let them walk out there without saying something. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. And, and, and to me, it feels like a lot of this falls back on the coaching. Were you surprised? I don't even know if that's the right word. With the way that this offense earlier in the season was clicking, Zeke gets hurt, then Dak gets hurt with the calf. But even despite all that, with what we saw in that playoff game against San Francisco, they never seemed to figure out how to get guys open when Dak wasn't getting blitzed. And San Francisco barely blitzed in that game, but still got a ton of pressure. And to me, it it really feels like this kind of goes back to the offensive line and some of the woes offensively. Whose fault is that? Well, I mean, it's everybody's fault. Who played well? I mean, nobody played well. None of your stars played well. None of the guys you paid a big money to play well. Your offensive coordinator getting, you know, paid all his money. He didn't call a good game. It was like no one showed up and no one played well. And yeah, you can talk about the offensive line and they didn't give him opportunities and, and, and they didn't protect well. The running game, you got nothing from the running game. Uh, but Dak didn't make good decisions. He wasn't accurate. He didn't make throws. I'm just telling you, you know, there's so much talk about the final play. The final play. The game was lost on the drive before that. You know, you know, as well as, you know, you can say what you want about the defense and how they ran the ball, but the defense gave the ball back to the Cowboys twice in the fourth quarter with a chance to win the game. Somebody told you before the game, if Fortnite's going to score 23 points and you had a chance to win the game, you could be happy with that. Uh, you get the ball to your quarterback with 2.42 left with three timeouts and a two-minute warning. That's Tom Brady. That's Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's Patrick Mahomes. You said they're going down and score. And win this game, we'll take the lead right there. That's the drive. The, the, the Cowboys did nothing, you know. And 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 who whose fault is that? That that's all of them. But again, it's gonna fall on the quarterback. You need your quarterback, regardless of 
of, of what's going on around him to, to lift his team up and play his best football. Dak didn't play his best football. Now, you know, my only problem with that, really, because I get what you're saying is, we really got, ain't, don't none of us think Dak is a Hall of Famer. So why are we going to sit no. there and say, well, if it's Brady, if it's Rodgers, this is Mahomes, who are all first ballot Hall of Famers, they get it done. Of course they do. Um, but I think what happens is Dak did not perform in this game, and he hadn't really performed consistently the whole second half of the year. So now he basically had, I don't know, I, I think now we start to wonder, okay, can you, you know, can you get him? Are you good enough? You got the contract. And you've shown us flashes, but now we said this when you got the contract, dog. It's it's about the playoffs for you now. It ain't about the regular season and passing records and all of that. For Dak Prescott and any quarterback, once they get the big money, dog, it's only about the postseason. Yeah, this, this is a chance for, for legend. This is where your legacy is made. That's my point. You 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 had a chance to run in, the, in, in Cowboys history to, you know, the history of this rival playoff history. You lead your team – doesn't matter what came before, no matter how bad you played or whatever right. happened before, you know, you get the ball with two minutes left. And, and I'm not saying he has to be Superman, but you got to make some plays. You got to be accurate. You just got to make the plays that they're on the field. They didn't do that. He didn't do that. You know, you know that, that, that fourth and 11 is to, to C.D. Lamb. I mean, to, to, to Cedric Wilson, you know, y'all don't have a, 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 a 10-yard, 11-yard play in the playbook. You're floundering on fourth and eleven. The most prolific offense in, in Cowboys history is going more points than in the Cowboys history. I don't, y'all don't have nothing better than that. I, I just don't get that, that whole series, and especially after you get the big play to start the series to uh, to uh, uh, Schultz, and you think, okay, they're rolling. They got a big play. They go, they, they because you're down on the sixteen, got a big play. They're, they're going to get it going, and they didn't get it going. So yeah, he don't have to be those guys, but. You need to be efficient. You need to be a productive. You need to show you can bring this team down the field and win the game. And, and they didn't do it again. That's not all on that offensive line. See, dropped the pass. Uh, I, I still have a problem with this all getting this playmakers involved. This whole notion that I, I'd rather see Schultz and Cedric Wilson rather than, than Amari and Ceedee Lamb. I, I, I don't get that at all. You know, I, I'm going to find a way to get my best players the ball. When you look at, again, talking about this game, the 14 penalties, the, the Cowboys were one of the most penalized teams in the league all year long. The offensive line committed more penalties than any other line in football. Who do you blame? Is that coaching? Is that the players? Is it focus? Where does this come from, and how do you fix it? Well, I mean, it, it, it's coaching. It starts with coaching. You know, you, you either you coaching it to happen, you allow it to happen, you know, and, and, and they have allowed this to happen all season. It's been a problem also. Now you want to say we're going to focus on penalties. We've been talking about penalties all season. It's been an issue all season. You know, pre-snap, holding. I mean, some of the things that y'all allow to happen, I mean, like Randy Gregory grabbing and holding, you know, offensive linemen. Where, where does that come from? You you, you, you tackle more offensive linemen you did ball carry. It seemed like I it was coached. That. You know, it's it, it, the pre-snap penalties, you know, again – this in the moment I, I i don't know but yeah it, it's coaching and it's the players the players at the end of the day the players gotta show up i mean yeah the coaches put you in position but it's the players who who seize the day and, and make the most of the situation and and it's something that i've just been thinking about you know just for the longest the cowboys don't know how to win they don't know what it takes to win they don't know what it means to be winners and being a winner doesn't mean showing up obviously to work out you know, being a winner doesn't mean 
brotherhood. It doesn't mean state programs and, and all this other stuff. It means seizing the moment, seizing the day. And do they have that in their DNA? That's a question. That's something that we're going to have to continue to talk about uh, their DNA and whether they have it. It's one thing that we questioned about Romo. I mean, you go back to 2006. You know, it was right there for the taking, and he dropped a snap. Now, I think that's a, um, I think that's a fair question. I think it's a question that has to be answered, and it has to be answered on on a bunch of different levels because it's not it's a collective. They don't know how to yeah. win, but it's made up of a bunch of individual pieces. And you know, the bottom line is, and we've all said this, but it's true: is your best players got to play their best ball in the playoffs, and. You know, when they don't, you got to figure out why. And that's what, you know, that's what leadership is really all about. It, it's, make, it's making plays at winning time. Now, the interesting thing to me is they did that plenty of times during the season. Guys made plays at winning time, and that's why they won 12 games. And so we understand that the playoffs are a different beast. But uh, I was surprised that none of their playmakers had what I would call, you know, a difference-making moment during the game because there's plenty of times where they could have seized control of the game back and nobody made a play. At, at winning time to get it done. No, no, no nobody did. And again, and I, you know, I said defense got the ball back, but the defense also let the time be off the clock with two penalties. I mean, you had a holding penalty on 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 a, an outside penalty on, on Gregory, holding penalty on Gregory, and a holding penalty on Galloway in the fourth quarter that allowed them to two o'clock and and, 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 and and take time off that you could have used towards the end of the game. I mean, again, it, it, it's, it's something that's going to haunt them because it's not about the 49ers. We're talking about the 49ers and and everything they did. I mean, but Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, missed some throws, throw interceptions. There were plays to be made. You had a chance to win this game if you play average football. They didn't play average football at all. Especially for this offense, and it's something that's going to haunt them. What's the solution, Chill? I mean, looking forward to this team, and, and Jacques and I kind of talked about this a couple of days ago, there, we all know that any NFL roster overturns in the course of an offseason, but they've got a lot of big decisions to make on some of these guys. How different do you think that this could look next year? I mean, yeah, they got 21 free agents, you know, and, and there's a chance they can lose one or both coordinators, most likely Dan Quinn. I don't think that Kellen Moore has done enough uh, on the field uh, to earn a head coaching job, and I know that it's based on his interviews with us. He's not going to wow anybody with his interviews you know, to say I'm the right guy for the job as far as the leader of men. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, they got a lot of decisions to make uh, and, and, and how they handle them going forward. And and I keep trying to tell them, like, McCarthy keeps talking about, you know, this is this is year two. It's not year two. This is year 25. This is year 26. This is year 27 for Cowboy fans who have not won a Super Bowl since 1995. This is, you know, year six for Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott who have been here since 2016. Uh, you know, this this was not a a, a a rebuild from the ground up that you're in year two of a rebuild. No. You know, for Cowboy fans, this is pain and anguish for 25, 26 years, 27 years. And I don't know what they have to hope for, that things will be better next year. You look at that schedule next year. They play a first-place schedule. They play Tampa Bay. They play Green Bay. They play Cincinnati. They play the Tennessee Titans. They play the Los Angeles Rams. You know, and, and then you've got to hope that they can sweep the NFCs. It's going to be a tougher road to hold next year, and you're most likely going to have a lesser team. You know, so what, what, and even if you do get back to the playoffs, next season not going to mean much to many Cowboy fans. You, 
It's about what you're going to do in the playoffs because, you know, we've seen this show before. I get it, but I disagree with 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 the premise there. I mean, for McCarthy, I mean, it ain't my fault that y'all lost before I showed up. I'm not I'm not accepting the sins of the past. I'm not responsible for the previous twenty four years. That's on that's on Jerry. I mean, I'm not accepting that. So that shit ain't got nothing to do with me. I I'm here and I'm trying to get y'all a winner. And I'm not even cutting for McCarthy, but I'm just like, if you show up and I start dating you, I'm not responsible for this fool and what he did for the previous twenty years while y'all was married. We got a new start and a new relationship. So I'm not I'm not I'm not accepting them sins. You go get you go get some therapy and deal with that shit. Well they need to go get some. Dr. Phil is in Dallas. I mean, goddamn. I'm speaking from a Cowboys fan standpoint. They don't hear nothing about no year two. This is you know, you were brought here because this team was ready to win. You were brought here to build something. You were brought here because you were supposed to be better than James Garrett. James Garrett did this mess. He didn't want to, he took you to the, to the, to the first round of the playoffs. You know, you're trying to get further. That's why you were brought here. That's what you were told that you were a winner to take the Cowboys to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, no, it's not, I'm sorry. It's just, this is deeper than that. And you have to understand that coming in here, that this is now a Cowboys, you know, that every game matters, every game is important, every game is on TV. The magnitude of the job says, this was never going to be a honeymoon. It was never going to be, you know, a, a rebuild, a, a situation. We got, you know, like Andy Reid came to Kansas City. They took him eight years to win. You were never going to get eight years. I got to agree with Chill because I think part of this, you know, and, and, and we've talked about this before, Jacques. I mean, reality of it is what he's saying is true. If it was going to be like this and you were going to be what you were the first year where you got a mulligan, and then you were going to do what you did this year and not even win a playoff game, I think a lot of us would have looked at it and said, well, then go get a coach like a Lincoln Riley just to throw a name out there. But but McCarthy was brought in because he was the guy, and he even said it. McCarthy says, I know how to win championships. Okay, well, then win one. Win a playoff just, game. Win a I'm playoff just, game. Don't let your team be nervous. Don't let your team not, go down and pee down their leg. <laughs> I'm not disputing any of that. I'm just saying – you can rip him for as hard as you want to rip him for the last two years, including this year and the things that he didn't correct and now all of a sudden need to be corrected. You can even rip them for this Pollyanna approach because everybody can look at the, the free agents, unrestricted free agents on the team, know that you're not going to keep them all and go, bro, this roster, the team might be better, but the roster is not going to be more talented next year. Um, that's all true. I'm just saying, you know, um, it's – if you want to direct 26 years of angst, that goes to Jerry and Steven because they've been here for this. It don't really go to the coach who just showed up and who's going to be replaced if he don't get it done in the next year. For Cowboy fans, it goes to all of them. It goes to Dak, Zeke, to all of them. They, they all part of it. They're Cowboys. They're representing the Cowboys right now. And the, the, the and I, I just know just my take of the fans after that game and even Jerry, that, that they would just, Shock, surprise. I mean, there are people on suicide watch. They they took this hard and I've seen them take a loss in a long time. You know, they did not see this coming and they, they were built up thinking this was finally the year they were going to do something. They were going to make a move. Mm-hmm. They were going to go deeper in the playoffs and really have a chance. You know, uh, and, and, and they got the rug pulled out from other them again. And, and so I'm it, curious. Why would you bring Mike McCarthy back? What do you think? Yeah, I guess the only reason you bring it back because if, if you don't have a good answer, okay. you don't have a good you don't have a good answer who to replace him with, and you know everybody can say fine for Dan Quinn, but 
you know, you, 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 you outside of that, there, there's no good answer. There's no guy that said he's going to make a difference. Yeah. I, I, it, it, the frustration is very real. I think, you know, the, it's very – I was stunned that they didn't win at least a playoff game. I mean, you're at home. You got a home field advantage. And this team was just so inconsistent all season long. Some of the things that we're talking about that you put on the coaches. And like you said, Chill, and I, and I think Jacques and I have talked about this as well, it really – this team is not going to be as talented roster-wise next year because of the free agents, because of the, the some of the moves and the decisions that they're going to have to make. And it is very difficult to sit here and think that you're six years into it because I do look at it that way. I do look at it as you have six years of Dak Prescott and you have wasted them and have achieved nothing. Right. Same thing with, you, with Romo, you know, and Jerry talked about his great disappointment and not having the Super Bowl with Romo. And now he, 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 he said, I'm sick that we got a quarterback like Dak Prescott and, and, we can't, and they can't get out the first round. You know, he, 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 he's sick and disappointed and, and and you're in that same boat now with Dak, cause, and and I don't know. I'm like McCarthy. I don't know if the window closes because you, you know, you can rebuild teams through free agency and the draft so quickly. But you know, this this is four years with Dak. You you got to you got to cover one year. Certainly Zeke is one more year, but the time is now. I I know you got one more year with McCarthy. I mean, and he he gets a mulligan for this year. It looks like, but you know, if he don't win next year, you're moving on. Sean Payton. <laughs> They've been talking this Sean Payton dream for so long. I don't feel if that Sean Payton dream been been, been talked around here. And we talk about freighters. I don't know who's gonna go get big money for freighters. I know that they have some decisions to make, but who, who's worthy? I mean, at the end of the day, Gregory has five sacks or six sacks. <laughs> yeah, and Gallup is hurt. So it, yeah, Gallup is hurt, and Gregory has six sacks. You know, Leighton's not going to get a big contract. But then again, you yeah. know, I didn't think Hitchens would. You never know. Maybe somebody out there sees something and is like, we got to have this guy and we got a ton of money we can throw around. Uh, Dalton Schultz will probably get a nice deal, but you knew he was going to be moving on. He might get some money, but I don't think you have a problem facing. You know, I, I don't know that I'm paying $12 million for Schultz, that's what he's commanding. Uh, no, I'm not. I, you know, I know he's, he's a good line as a blanket with Dak, but he, he needs to let Amari and, and CD be his blanket. <laughs> Well, that that begs the question. So you 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 think Amari comes back? I don't know how you're better without without Amari. I, you know, I, I just if you know, there's one thing. If Michael Gallup had a big year, and you right. said I'm going to Michael Gallup and, and let Amari go, but Michael, Michael Gallup's hurt, he might not be ready to you know August. You know, with with ACL. Yeah, I I just don't know how this is a better team without Amari Cooper. Now, again, you didn't. Per, get twenty million dollars production, but I think that's more of a you problem than a, than a Mario problem. Is is how you ran your offense, but there, there's no way you're going to tell me they're going to without a Mario Cooper. So you don't think C.D. Lamb ready to be a number one? I mean, he was essentially number one. If he let the team in reception, but you it, it ain't going to be a one guy. You still need both of them. Fair I'm just enough. asking, man. Yeah, I mean, you still need both of them. I mean, there's there, there's you know, as far as the way this offense, where they throw the ball, they they need both of them. And 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 at the end of the day, sadly, as we talk about it, you know, you, you got nothing from either one of them in the playoff game. Well, CD boy had two catches, one, one catch, and, and a drop, and it, and it came with eight minutes left in the game. Yeah, none of that makes any sense. That you know, and, and look, we love Cedric Wilson in this story, but I mean, if CD is, is, is the guy he said he was, I mean, come on, you got to. 
do something to get him the ball and get the ball in his hands. They, it wasn't like they were taking him away with double coverage. Well, even if they are, as I like to say, the best receivers in the league get double covered all the time, and Cooper Cup still ended up with 120 catches. Like, you didn't know the Rams were giving him the ball or Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I mean, if you if you that dude, you're getting double covered. That I don't care about that. Get your best players the ball. And to me, that's the flaw in the offense. That's, that's the flaw in Mike McCarthy's system. That's the flaw in, in this offense because they don't, they don't move guys around. They don't motion guys. They don't do a lot of stuff to, to, to get them open and get your playmakers the ball. And Mike McCarthy continues to talk about ball distribution. I want to get the ball to everybody. I want to focus on one guy. What, you, don't, you don't focus on one guy. Or you don't focus on ball distribution when you when you when you go into the bank and for agency when you're paying. You didn't focus on ball distribution to get Mark Cooper twenty million dollars. You don't need you need to focus on getting your playmakers the ball and letting them win. I think Troy Ekman made this point on the ticket, and it was the best the best point that uh, it's the most simplistic point I've read. And he was uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, but you guys can hit it up on Twitter and find it pretty easily. He basically says. That, um, you know, coordinators get caught up in scheme this and scheme that when all you have to do is take your pre-snap read, look at the outside and say, oh, this guy's playing, I think he used CeeDee Lamb. This guy's playing, this corner's yeah. playing 10 yards off CeeDee Lamb. Just go play pitch and catch with CeeDee Lamb till they decide to change. Because he, he said Michael Irvin would have had 10 catches in the first half if they had played us like that just because I'd have ran a route tree on him. And sometimes the game ain't complicated, man. Sometimes people make it complicated. Yes, and, and, and again, as he pointed out, Mike Irvin, he said Alvin Harper. He said Mike Irvin. That means that I'm going to get the ball to my best guy. Dog. That's the thing that has frustrated me over the years with the Cowboys. They just don't make it a priority to get the ball to that guy. I don't get it. And, and again, you know, should, should I mean, Cooper start, you know, chirping and, and, and talking about it in the media. You know, I don't know if he needs to start screaming on the sideline, but you know, all I did is Ryan and Terrell Owens and everybody else, but you 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 got to get the ball to your guys. And listen, I, Schultz had a great season, but but as I said before, he ain't busting no ass, okay? That's that's not winning football. That's not, you know, game-changing plays. You're playing Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb. Those guys are game-changing. They are indeed. Frustrating season. Disappointing season. But Clarence Hill Jr., as always, man, we appreciate the chat. No problem, guys. No problem. We'll, we'll see what, what lies ahead in the offseason. All right, there he is, Clarence Hill Jr., and, and bringing the truth. And it's, it is pain, pain, and more pain. There is a lot yeah, of that. Bro. And no, there's I a lot of it. just, uh, Don, I'm, 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 this one's going to hurt for a while. But, see, that's the thing about it is that with football, we'll have a little break, and then we'll be excited for the draft, maybe. And then after the draft, we'll start getting excited, and I'll convince myself that in, in August that this is the year. And I'll try to talk you off the ledge and say, Matt, didn't we didn't we go through this once before? I know. I need uh, to be more cognizant of how I feel right now in August. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we get into our next conversation, let's tell you about a couple of our fantastic sponsors. Of course, as always, Blue Star Motor Group. Deb and her husband, Mike, with Blue Star Motor Group and BlueStarMotorGroup.com. I get it. Maybe you're looking to buy. Maybe you're looking to sell. I, I've talked to some people like, well, you know, I don't know. I've, I've always, I'm halfway through the process with this dealership or whatever. And I've told multiple friends of mine. I said, okay, well, that may be true, but you need to pick up your phone and you need to call this number. And then I tell them the number, as I'm going to tell you right now. 
817-881-4066. And I said, just have the conversation. Just let them know this is what I'm looking for. I was told that maybe you can do something for me because the reality of it is Deb and Mike want to work with you. They want to earn your business. And a lot of the times you get a better deal with Blue Star Motor Group than you do from dealerships because they have such low overhead and they own the thing. It's them. They, they are the be all end all. There's nobody they have to go and ask. Can we do this? Can we do that? They can get it done for you. Dude, Deb, Mike, they make it happen. Um, what I often say about Deb is give her a text, give her a call. She doesn't have to deal with a finance manager. She doesn't have to deal with a GM. All she has to do is deal with you and get a deal done. And the other thing is, once the um, once the handshakes are done and the contracts have been signed, man, she wants everybody driving away with a smile on her face. When you when that's your goal, then everybody's happy at the end. It is. And again, buy or sell. Okay, you could be looking for a car, or you may be looking to sell your vehicle. The best part about that is, they will come to your house. They will come to your location and they will pay cash on site for your car. It's Blue Star Motor Group, 817-881-4066. Shoot her a text. Tell her what you're looking for. Tell her what your car, what you're looking to sell, and she'll get back with you. It's Deb at Blue Star Motor Group, 817-881-4066. Also, of course, our friends Aaron and his crew there, at HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of DFW. Foundations, as you know, or maybe you don't know, you don't screw around with your foundation. Like if your house, if you see a crack or sticking doors or something like that, you immediately need to call Aaron. 817-770-0174 and just have the conversation. He will come out. It is a free, no obligation inspection. Takes about 45 minutes. It is peace of mind that you need with your house. That's why we call it a colonoscopy fee for your house, bro. It's about that peace of mind. Give them a call. Let them give you that peace of mind. And then if they do find something, chances are it's in the early stages and it costs a heck of a lot less than if you find it in the late stages. That's exactly right. HFXFoundation.com. Or again, pick up the phone and give Aaron a call. It's a local family-owned business. He'll be with you throughout the entire process. 817-770-0174. So as we move on here, we wanted to have a quick conversation about the NFL's divisional round. And and yeah, it's painful and it sucks and it's rough, but man, there's a reason why they talk about this as usually the best weekend of the playoffs, because all four of these games should be badass. You've got the first game of the weekend on Saturday is Cincinnati and Tennessee. Cincinnati is trying to get to the AFC title game for the first time since 1988. If Tennessee wins... It'll be the first time in the history of the franchise, going back to when they were the Houston Oilers, that they have hosted a conference title game. Damn. They've never hosted one. They've played in them before. They've played in conference title games. They have never hosted a home conference title game in the history of that franchise. So there's a lot on the line with Cincinnati, Tennessee. You also might have the return of Derrick Henry. They're going to activate him. He's supposed to play. From everything I've been seeing, they believe he's 100% ready to go, and they will have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry on the field at the same time for just the sixth game this season. Dude, and he's going to be fresh. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) Dude, he's going to be fresh. Maybe take him a quarter to find a rhythm, Um, but, dude. If they can get the running game going, they're going to win because they're going to be hyped. Yeah, and, you know, Tennessee's good. 
Tennessee's got a better defense, I think, than Cincinnati. The I believe it's the number two rush defense in the NFL. Cincinnati's going to struggle to run. Look, Joe Burrow is legit. He's going to make some plays. Jamar Chase is going to make some plays. I just wonder, can Cincinnati, if Derrick Henry is truly healthy, can Cincinnati do enough to get Tennessee from having these long, sustained drives that keep that dangerous Joe Burrow-Jamar Chase connection off the field? No, I don't think so. I think um, that's what they do. That's why they win. And a lot of people not respecting Tennessee, man. Don't forget, until Derrick Henry got hurt, they beat all the contenders, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter how they beat them. They found a way to beat them. They're a tough, mentally tough football team. You know, you can almost call them uh, Patriots South because of Mike Vrabel and, and his impact. Uh, but they are a tough, hard-nosed team. And here's mm-hmm. the deal. Much like the Patriots, they ain't going to beat themselves. You can go beat them. That's cool. You can go beat them. But they're not going to beat themselves by playing bad football or sloppy football. Yep. I believe – I have a hard time believing that Cincinnati – and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Cincinnati is a team that comes out of nowhere that hadn't made the playoffs in forever and hadn't won a playoff game in forever that just makes some magical run. I think Joe Burrow's getting that franchise back to be a dominant force in the AFC that you've got to mess with every single year for the next decade. I just it, – it feels like Tennessee is going to get there and that that, that Tennessee is going to win this. I think Tennessee is going to win. This That's is all I'm going to say, bro, because I think Tennessee wins. All I'm going to say, though, is when the team, the team has 100% confidence in the quarterback and they know the quarterback is that dude, bro, they could be dangerous because if he comes out slinging it, and has that come follow me, fellas. We finna do something special today. Yeah. They can get it done. Like, and here's what I mean. Tennessee don't revolve around Ryan Tannehill. It revolves around a running game. Yeah. So what I'm saying is there's not a hundred percent belief in the heart of hearts. I'm talking about the conversation guys have shooting pool at somebody's mansion. Like, damn, dog, you know, hope Ryan show up this week, bro. If he do, we could do this thing. Them conversations ain't taking place in Cincinnati. Them conversations, the Joey Swag gonna do his thing. Are the rest of us gonna follow him and do our thing? And so he makes it compelling, man. When you got that dude, the quarterback, bro, the game changes. Now watch him go throw five picks this week. But <laughs> you never know, man. It could happen. When you got that dude, bro, things uh, things changed. It does. So the other game on Saturday is the night game, and this is one of those weekends. CBS has two of the games. Fox has one. NBC has one. The first game is 3.30 on Saturday. The second game at 7.15 on Fox is San Francisco on the road at Green Bay, which is a rematch, if you'll recall, the NFC title game from two years ago when it was in San Francisco. I've been saying all along, I, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is on a mission to finally get over the hump again. They've lost the last two NFC championship games. They lost last year at home at Lambeau. I, think they're the, I do think they're the best team in the NFC. I know what San Francisco does could give them some problems. I don't know that they're going to commit gobs of penalties and have problems adjusting to it like Dallas did. I, th- I think that this is, if I had to have a confidence indicator and I was like in some survivor league this weekend, Green Bay would be the one that I feel the most confident in out of all these games. Well, yeah, because what are we talking about? We're talking about Jimmy G and Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I don't think that they're going to be able to run the ball for um... – what is it, 169 yards and 4.4 average and short in the game. Um, I think um, 
you know, Green Bay has been waiting on this. They're healthy. They're getting Randall Cobb back. And they will uh, go ahead and do their thing and beat San Francisco. And San Francisco will allow themselves to be beaten because, hey, we won a game in the playoffs last last week and we good. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's how I see it, man. I really I feel Green Bay is going to advance. So we have both of the one seeds advancing on Saturday. Sunday are the games that it's like flip a coin to me. The, the first one is a 2 o'clock kick on NBC. The Rams on the road at Tampa. After what the Rams looked like against Arizona, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., Matt Stafford in this offense, and then the flip side of this is that Tristan Wirfs is a game-time decision. He's the all-pro left tackle for Tampa. If they can't have Wirfs, then all of a sudden the front for L.A., and I know it's the GOAT and I know it's Tom Brady, but he's doing this. He doesn't have Chris Godwin. He doesn't have Antonio Brown. And Jalen Ramsey, if he's going to be Jalen Ramsey shut down Mike Evans, I, I, it would not surprise me at all if Matt Stafford and the Rams go into Tampa and take this one from Tampa. No, I mean, I think uh, they kind of need to, bro. You know, given that all that they've invested, they need to go win. And uh, they, I think they'll have a lot of confidence. And they got three dynamic players, man, on defense. Um, Van, Von Miller had a terrific game last week. They they traded for him for this game. You know what I mean? Like, you can't beat Brady if you can't put him on his ass. Period. Point blank. End of discussion. Yep. They got Von Miller to help put Brady on his ass along with um, Aaron Donald. And then, um, you know, now with their receivers banged up, you can really put Jalen uh, Ramsey and let him follow Mike Evans if you want to. Yeah. So, like, to me, see, and then part of me thinks, okay, but it's Tampa. I keep calling him Tampa. Tampa Bay. No, you mean Tampa. I yeah, I probably do. It doesn't matter. And I keep thinking it's the GOAT. It, it, it's Brady. He's going to find a way to get this done. But, again, I don't have a lot of confidence in saying that. I I, I know that one of these, maybe two of these road teams are going to win, and I, I don't know what it is. I, I just, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Rams win this game, especially with the injuries that Tampa Bay is trying to get over and get past. No, I see it, man. It's a big game for the Rams. They got Matt Stafford to win a game like this, you know? The Rams are all in on the Super Bowl, bro, because of their investments financially and their investments in terms of trades and getting rid of draft picks. They're all in. They will have a complete failure if they don't even get to the NFC Championship game. I agree, and maybe that's part of what this is. And in part of the belief that I've always thought that Matt Stafford's actually a really good quarterback and had always gotten kind of a bad knock in Detroit from being with the shitty franchise – so maybe this is Stafford's time to be like, I did. I found the right coach. I found the right guy. And I'm going to take this team to the NFC Championship game. That's going to be fun this weekend, bro. So then the other one is the one that I think, I mean, there's a reason why they put this on Sunday evening at 530. It's Buffalo. It's Kansas City. It's Josh Allen. It's Patrick Mahomes. It is the rematch of the AFC Championship game from a year ago. This year, we get it in the divisional round. Make no mistake about this. Buffalo was very capable of beating Kansas City. Wouldn't shock me at all if it happens. And the fact that I keep thinking it is really, really difficult to get to the Super Bowl three years in a row. No, you're right, bro. Nothing. Everything he says is right. I think Buffalo's primed to win. Um, I'm picking Buffalo to win. I think it's their time. I think Josh Allen is uh, playing terrific football. I think uh, they got one of the best back sevens. In the league, linebackers, secondary. You saw uh, your boy uh, make that great play in the end zone last last week. They've got a yeah. really good team. 
Um, they're they're playing well right now. I think they've won four in a row, five in a row. Uh, and they beat Kansas City 38-20 in Arrowhead earlier this year. So I don't think there's any fear whatsoever about going there. It's If we play our best football, let's go kick their ass again and remove any doubt. And I think the big win over the Patriots solidified their confidence. Like, yo, this is what we're supposed to do. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you. My preseason Super Bowl pick was Green Bay and Buffalo. So I'm picking, I'm sticking with that. I'm going to pick Buffalo to go into Arrowhead and upset Kansas City. And that would set up a Buffalo in Tennessee AFC championship game. And whatever happens, man, I think the Rams are going to do it too. It, a Rams-Green Bay NFC championship game in Lambeau next weekend. Well, that would be fascinating with uh, SoCal going to Lambeau. Although Matt Stafford being from uh, playing up in Detroit for so long, you know, so Lambo shouldn't bother him. Maybe, but that was in a dome. Maybe he's not used to those types of harsh elements out there playing in something like that. No, I mean, at least he made all those trips to, to Lambo. Yeah, and, and, you know, reality of it being for me, I, I have a hard time believing anybody's denying Aaron Rodgers. I still I still just think Aaron Rodgers, we Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are the two quarterbacks that no matter if there's one second left on the clock, you still figure they're going to beat you. Yep. Pretty much. And, and that's just it. how it is. But this is going to be a great weekend of football. I'm not going to watch. I, I doubt I'll watch the Green Bay game. Maybe I'll end up getting over it. But I just, that taste in my mouth of San Francisco, I, I can't, I don't like Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, but I can't root for San Francisco. And I, there's no way in hell I can root for Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> that that is a lose-lose game for me. I feel you on that, bro. That's just how it is. I don't know how else to say it. It is time. We do it every week here during the NFL season, even seasons and weeks that don't feature the Dallas Cowboys. We check in, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch. Check out their three delicious locations around DFW. ESPN NFL insider Ed Werder joining us. And Ed, as I just alluded to, the Dallas Cowboys are done for 2021. What do you take away from the loss, the wild card round? They don't win a playoff game. You're beaten at home by the 49ers. What do you take from this? I think it's actually um, one of the greatest failures, not just in Cowboys history, but in recent playoff history. And the reason I categorize it that way is that the Cowboys led the NFL in both scoring and yards per game on offense for the first time since 1971. And in that season, Dallas, led by Roger Staubach, won its first ever Super Bowl title. The Cowboys are one of only three teams since 1990 to lead the NFL in points per game and yards per game and not win a playoff game. And the other two that are in that infamous circle are the 2000 Rams and the 2008 Saints. They didn't even make the postseason. So the Cowboys are the first team to lead the NFL in scoring and yards, make the playoffs, and fail to win a single game. Well, damn, when you put it like that. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, an epic failure. And, you know, I was out at the Star yesterday when Mike McCarthy had his end-of-the-season news conference, um, which I think very easily could have been the end of Mike McCarthy um, press conference. Um, I, was, I was shocked to hear him say – in answer to my very simple question about you said you didn't achieve your objectives because you didn't want to say they underachieved, which is what Dak Prescott specifically said after the game. McCarthy didn't want to say that. I said, but, so you didn't achieve your goals. What specific reasons do you have to explain that? 
And that's when he said the most remarkable thing I've ever heard a coach say. I think we were nervous before the game. I detected oh. that in the pregame prayer. I mean, what were they praying for and who were they praying to? That they were so nervous about leaving the locker room to go play the San Francisco 49ers on the Cowboys' home field. Yeah, when I heard that, I a lot of what McCarthy said after the game and at the Wednesday press conference raised both of my eyebrows. That was one of those. Yeah. What's the solution for the Cowboys here? As you talked about, Ed, maybe that could have been his final press conference. Were you surprised if they bring back McCarthy, which it sounds like that's the plan, are you surprised that he'll be here for year three? Well, I doubt that Jerry felt real good about that. I was you know, amazed that in the immediate aftermath of the game after Jerry left the loser's locker room, which, oh, by the way, is not the place he expects the Cowboys locker room to be uh, on this particular Sunday, um, that he walked up to uh, you know, the, a group of media waiting for him and, and passing on Mike McCarthy's press conference to talk to Jerry instead. And I asked Jerry point blank if he would consider a coaching change at this point, and I fully expected him to flatly reject the very idea of that. Instead, he said something like, that's not a subject I even want to discuss right now. And, you know, Jerry understands from 30 years of doing this gravity of not endorsing his head coach in a, you know, following a monumental loss like that. Um, so whether they, he and Steven and Will McClay, consider it for a couple of hours that night, we, we don't know. Um, but Mike McCarthy made it seem yesterday like uh, he's not has no reason to be concerned based on his own conversations with uh, Jerry and Steven not only the night after the game but in a meeting on Monday, and that you know he's moving forward, presuming that he's going to continue to be the coach, and that does seem the most likely outcome given Jerry hasn't contradicted that idea and they haven't done anything to take either Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn off the market. In fact, both of them have spent almost the entire week um, conducting interviews for head coaching jobs with other franchises. Why do you think he's bringing McCarthy back? I think he's bringing him back because he gave him last year as kind of a, a not, it was kind of a, a year that didn't exist because of the pandemic um, because, you know, Dak got hurt and missed almost all of the season. And then this year, which he might consider in Jerry's mind, doing Jerry's math, uh, McCarthy's first year, you know, he won 12 games, he won the division, and, uh, you know, he still owes him three years on his contract. So, you know, does, does Jerry – he's only – he's fired a coach after two seasons once before. That was Chan Gailey. You know, Chan Gailey went 10-6 and six and 8-8 eight and eight and then got fired, even though he made the playoffs. And Jerry's always – characterized that as one of his greatest regrets that he didn't think he was fair uh, to Chan Gailey. And so I guess for all of those reasons, not to mention uh, the cost of making another coaching change at you know, this early point when you've signed a coach for five years. And don't forget, they're still paying Mike Nolan as a defensive coordinator from last year, in addition to Dan Quinn this year. So I just think for, for the financial reasons and because Jerry does not want to admit that as the general manager, he got it wrong hiring a coach for the first time in 10 years when he when he hired Mike McCarthy who you know has super a Super Bowl history and a long um a long record of success in the postseason dude I think the other I think the (laughs) other thing that drives you crazy is they had incredible health this year bro they started basically I mean they they were they were missing no starters essentially for the playoffs and I'm not sure any other team can say that yeah, I mean, other teams obviously now, you know, like Green Bay and San Francisco have started to get healthy um, as they 
move on to the playoffs or in the Packers case, though, they're going to see their off last week. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's totally right. I mean, the Cowboys had so many advantages and, and remember, and I kind of made folly of it. And I suggested, I think last week on the show that no, I'm not convinced the Cowboys are going to win this game because they have not played well outside their own division against, uh, teams that are generally more competitive in the NFL playoff caliber teams. And they haven't played well against teams that they don't play every year. Um, and the 49ers are both of those things. Uh, you know, the Cowboys went 6-0 and in their division, the only undefeated team in their division, and the point differential was plus 133. And outside the division, they were only, including the San Francisco lost their 6-6, and and the point differential was 33. So they played a whole – they were a whole different team when they played somebody that was good um, or somebody that they didn't have a lot of experience playing, and so they could be more predictable about – you know, how they would operate offensively and how they would defend against the other team. So uh, I don't know that they were that good, but they were, like you said, they were healthy. Uh, that's not an excuse. Uh, you know, they used that last game against the uh, Eagles to score 51 points and set all kinds of records and feel good about themselves going into the playoffs. And yet sometime between the, the seven days that that game ended and the next one started, they were nervous about it. <laughs> that's true so ed what's and this is such a ridiculous question there is no solution <laughs> but I, like i want to ask what's the solution like how do you move forward for this franchise 26 years now where they yeah. have more they have more in common with the lions and washington than they do with green bay and, and pittsburgh and new england and, and the franchises that are consistently able to have success or at least get to a conference title game right what do they change this offseason uh, well, I mean, I think I think you, the thing you have to fear is that they're not going to be as good next year because of you know what the point Jock made about them being full healthy. They had, they had what all twenty one of their twenty two starters, so not Michael Gallup, but everybody else uh, effectively was healthy for the game. Uh, we know this was a season where they had the best, the highest scoring offense in football, and Dan Quinn in one season created this defense out of nothing that. Um, was you know led the league in takeaways, points off turnovers, interceptions. So can they duplicate all of that again to put themselves back in this position that they just you know were in when they went when they opened the locker room doors against the 49ers and failed? Uh, how can you expect them to get be better? Dak had arguably the best statistical season of his career and played all but one game. Uh, I guess I guess I would be most concerned about the defense taking a step back, assuming Dan Quinn leaves. And if he leaves, are they going to be able to sign back, you know, all of these, you know, players that they acquired in the offseason on one-year contracts who were so essential to their success? Are they going to keep Randy Gregory? Um, and at the same time, um, if they're going to be more successful on offense, I think they've got to do something about their offensive line. And, and what are they going to do about Ezekiel Elliott? And, oh, by the way, why weren't guys like Tony Pollard, who were healthy and explosive, not getting the ball and not getting playing time at the expense of a guy who wasn't healthy and wasn't producing yardage for you with the ball in his hands. Um, and, and, and why do all, like we talked about, why do all these other teams, why do the Packers get the ball to Devontae Adams every week? Why do the yeah. Rams get the ball to Cooper Cup every week? Why do the Chiefs get the ball to Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey every week? And why can the Cowboys never get the ball to any particular individual on offense, whether it's CeeDee Lamb or Tamari Cooper? I mean, Amari Cooper didn't have a 100-yard game with Dak Prescott after week one. 
And CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper's last 100-yard game was against Minnesota in week eight with with uh, Cooper starting a Cooper Rush starting a quarterback. That's inconceivable to me. I mean, to me, that's not taking advantage of your weapons and creating um, success for them on a weekly basis. Nah, that's wasting money because you paid the dude $20 million to be a beast, um, and you can't right. figure out how to make him a beast. You're paying that to Zeke, $15 million to Zeke, and $20 million to Amari Cooper, and they're not a big part of it every week. And, you know, Cooper complained about it in a very subtle way, uh, in a very – you know, I'm within, I'm playing within the team parameters. Yeah, well, I'm. Hey, I can do more. I mean, give me the ball on third down. Look for me in the red zone. You know, I can. I can do more. We can be successful. I mean, he didn't do it like you know Terrell Owens or Des Bryant or any number of these other guys. It wasn't very theatrical about it. It was very subtle, but the point was made, and it was made more than once. So I'm sure he didn't take it to the public the first time he felt that was the case, and then he had to do it publicly twice, and still at the end of the day, he didn't get the ball. Let's move on to the divisional round and, and, and put our Cowboys conversation like their season to, to rest. But the divisional round, I mean, all these matchups, they just look fantastic. Do you see any surprises? Is, is there a surprise? Would it be surprising if Cincinnati beats Tennessee or if San Francisco beats Green Bay? Well, I think it's surprising that Cincinnati in, is in the playoffs at all, much less in the, in the second round. And, you know, Joe Burrow's trying to become the first number one overall pick to reach a championship game in his first or second season as a starting quarterback. Um, I think there have been eight other times where the number one picks made the playoffs in their first two seasons, but none of those guys went on to reach the AFC or NFC championship game. So uh, it's remarkable what Joe Burrow has done in, in, in his first full year as a starter because he didn't even finish the late his rookie season. He got hurt. Um, and Tennessee, I think a lot of people think Tennessee is not a real legitimate uh, number one seed, and the last time that they were the number one seed, they lost in their first round, the first round playoff game. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's one to watch for sure. I I think the 49ers Packers matchup is probably the most appealing one. Well, it's hard to say that when you got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes playing at Arrowhead, but um, I, I guess I like the NFC game. I like the Packers 49ers because I think the 49ers are a threat to the Packers for the very same reason they knocked out the Cowboys. You know, they're a unique team in, in terms of the way they run the ball. And Kyle Shanahan, you know, a great strategist, great play caller. And they're getting healthy at running back. Um, and they've got this unique character in, you know, Debo Samuel that they, they've used so very effectively. We talk about the Cowboys can't figure out a way to use, you know, Tony Pollard effectively at all. And here's Kyle Shanahan using a wide receiver as his, his predominant, you know, second best running back. Um, so, yeah, I think the 49ers are an interesting game against the Packers. I assume, you know, Rodgers is not going to get sacked 20 times, and I assume he's going to get the ball to Devontae Adams a lot more than, than Dak was able to get it to any of his, his most prominent receivers. So, But I do think it's an interesting matchup to see if the 49ers are really good enough to take out a team like the Packers. I mean, they played week three, and the 49ers lost in the final 37 seconds of the game. What do you make of Tom Brady this weekend? Well, the interesting thing to me about Tom Brady – is, you know, is he going to have Ryan Jensen in center and is he going to have Tristan Wilson right tackle? Uh, because the Rams, uh, as we know, they've been a very dominant defense and they've already, they've beaten Brady in twice in the last two years since he moved from New England to Tampa. He's 0-2 against the Rams. Um, and so can the Rams put together another great defensive game like we saw from them on Monday night 
um, against Kyler Murray and the Cardinals and frustrate Tom Brady, um, especially, uh, you know, given that in addition to the question marks on the offensive line, he doesn't have Chris Godwin like he did in week three when the Rams beat him. And he, you know, we think he'll have Leonard Fournette, but he doesn't have Antonio Brown. So he's down some weapons and his protection might not be what, you know, he normally expects for it to be. And getting pressure on Tom Brady consistently has been the only proven way to beat him consistently. And the Rams are one of the few teams capable of that. Well, the other one, Ed, you kind of mentioned it briefly there, the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, Allen and Mahomes, how do you see that one turning out? Yeah, I mean, you got two. Well, the, other than Dak Prescott, these are the only two $40 million quarterbacks in football right now. And they're both coming off performances where they had five touchdown passes in their previous playoff game, leading their teams to uh, easy wins at home. Um, and they, the Chiefs have never lost twice in the same season at Arrowhead to any opponent ever. So Buffalo won there earlier in the year. Buffalo's trying for that piece of history right there and to advance Josh Allen to the AFC Championship game. Uh, I think Buffalo is entirely capable of doing exactly that. Um, but I think they've got to be able to do what the 49ers did to Patrick Mahomes uh, in that Super Bowl game, which is, you know, create consistent pressure on him. Or like the Bucks did, I'm sorry. The Bucks created consistent pressure on him and beat him in that uh, Super Bowl. And we'll see if, they're, if, if Buffalo can do that because they dedicated their whole offseason to being better in that in that regard under Sean McDermott this year. But it should be a great matchup. I mean, they're the best two quarterbacks in the league as far as, you know, um, extending plays, being accurate outside the pocket. Uh, just two really incredible quarterbacks. Yeah, I think the other thing is, and I, I think this is important, because they beat them and they handled them this year, I think, and they and they did it in Kansas City, like I, th- I think they walk in supremely confident. I don't think there's a question of, in the Buffalo locker room, there's any nervousness before the game. Like, I think they know they can. Yeah. yeah. yeah kind of like when they beat the Patriots last week. Like, we know we could kick their butt. Let's go do it. They, they did this at Belichick twice. Two of his worst losses in his career are this year against Buffalo. And, yeah. and how about this? You want to talk about confidence? You want to talk about Mike McCarthy manufacturing confidence against the Eagles by blowing them out and then, and then going and playing the 49ers? How about Buffalo? Not only, like you said, have they won at Arrowhead this year, they have punted zero times in three of their last four games. They're the first team since at least 1940, which is as far back as Elias Sports Bureau goes, to go three games without a punt in a four-game span, including the playoffs. The rest of the NFL has two such games over that span. Pretty remarkable, the Buffalo Bills. They don't even need to oh, take yeah. their punter. They can have an extra guy <laughs> on the roster. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> Dude, uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. No, he's a – We're not active. Part of the we left our punter in Buffalo. That would be awesome. We might need him next week. We don't need him this uh. week. <laughs> All right. Edward, as always, man, we appreciate it. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. All right. Hi, there bro. he is. Edward, our ESPN NFL insider, of course, as always, brought to you by Medea from Scratch and their three delicious Dallas area locations, Flower Mound, Grapevine, or Plano. So find one nearest you and enjoy the hell out of yourself at Medea from Scratch. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.